Chapter 22, Legend of the Bottle Rocket. Fetterling? The voice that came from the bag was muffled, but there was no mistaking that high-pitched voice. Where? Gumbaby need to work off some energy anyway. Gumbaby, Ayana shouted. What are you doing here? A lumpy leather-wrapped bundle stood up in the middle of the supplies. Two short, stubby legs poked out from the bottom, and the weird creature stomped indignantly out to the middle of the raft. What's Gumbaby doing here? What's Gumbaby doing here? Being insulted? How dare you leave on a mission without Gumbaby? That's like leaving sand out of a sandwich or toes out of tomatoes or... Okay, Ayana interrupted. First of all, none of that makes any sense. You put sand in sandwiches? Chestnut, Chestnut whispered, and I shook my head. Second of all, Ayana continued, we're over here. Gumbaby was standing in front of a sack of carrots Chestnut had brought along. The leather bundle stuck to the doll's face swiveled left and right. Then, with a grunt and some pulling and a whole lot of sap, off it popped. Her curly hair stood straight up, and she wore miniature overalls that were rumpled. They'd been dyed black, and she had two black feathers glued to her back. It almost looked like... Are you dressed like Miss Rose? Chestnut asked. That was it. The black outfit, the feathers. Gumbaby had a new mentor, it seemed. No, Gumbaby said. Just that feathers made Gumbaby look fierce. She struck a pose, flexing her biceps and shaking her back so the feathers wiggled. Chestnut, Ayana, and I looked at each other and tried not to smile. Okay, Ayana said, but what are you doing here? I thought you were on kitchen duty. Gumbaby sank to the floor of the raft and fiddled with the empty supply sack. Gumbaby thought if she got another chance, she could prove she could be a part of the team. Ayana's face softened. She bit her lip, then sighed. You can't just insert yourself, Gumbaby. You have to give it some time. Miss Rose and Miss Sarah and the others will come around, but sneaking off on a mission you're not supposed to be on isn't going to help. You know that. Gumbaby slumped even lower. Any farther and her face would be on the floor. What does she want to do? I whispered to Chestnut. At least I thought I had whispered. Ayana looked up with a frown. What had I said wrong this time? She wants to be a pilot, Chestnut answered, like Ayana. Gumbaby sighed and stared at her wooden hand, then reached behind and pulled the feathers from her back. She crumpled them and tossed them away, then drew her little knees up to her chest. Gumbaby thought she could do it, go on adventures, find others, lead them home, and be a hero. Yay! Gumbaby worked so hard. She trained, she studied, she thought she was ready. Gumbaby begged and pleaded. But no, they said. She was too small or too sticky. We all watched her. Even Ayana turned toward her. It wasn't normal to see Gumbaby like this. She was always energetic, never sad. I thought I was the sad one. Turns out other people, even dolls, I guess, have issues too. What happened? I asked. She looked at me. Finally, after Gumbaby stuck herself behind John Henry's ear and whispered for a few days, they agreed to give Gumbaby a test. Said if she passed, Gumbaby could go on a probation as a pilot. She patted her curls and sighed. Even had Miss Rose work on the hair. I winced. You mean probation, 
right? Gum Baby's eyes grew wide. Then she dropped her face into her hands and started wailing. Gum Baby got this fro for nothing. Do you know how hard it is to get sap out of an afro? Do you? Do you? Chestnut patted her on the back as Ayana gave me an exasperated look. I raised my hands defensively. I'm sorry. I just thought she should know. You could have said it later, she muttered. After a few moments, Gum Baby calmed down and sniffled. I handed her a paper towel and she blew her nose. Have you ever seen a doll full of sap blow her nose? Um, trust me, you don't want to. So, Gum Baby, Chestnut said, trying to change the subject. What mission did they send you on? How'd you do? Gum Baby shrugged. Ask him, she said, pointing at me. He was there too. What? I said. What did I do? Gum Baby sniffled again. You didn't let Gum Baby have the book. I gawped in disbelief. You're mad because I didn't let you steal my best friend's journal? You're the whole reason I'm stuck here. No, you're the reason you're here. Nobody told your big head to chase Gum Baby. You could have let her have it. You were just being selfish. Of all the... I mean, I can't even begin. I spluttered in frustration. Chestnut and Ayana looked back and forth between the two of us. I never heard the full story, Ayana said thoughtfully. How did you and Gum Baby end up destroying the lives of everyone in Midpass and possibly Alki as well? I winced and she shrugged. I call it as I see it. Chestnut hopped up and down. Oh, a story, a story! Gum Baby started jumping up and down as well, and I wrinkled my forehead at her. You know the story. You were in it. Gum Baby just likes stories, she said. Well, I'm not telling one. Why? Yeah, why? Ayana said, and she grinned when I rolled my eyes. Because weird things happen when I tell stories, remember? Mm-hmm. But you're an anonsisem, right? Isn't that what Brer and John Henry and Miss Rose said? You're supposed to be super special when it comes to storytelling. Are you saying you're really not that special after all? She smiled and raised her eyebrows. I gritted my teeth and tried to ignore her. So, you're not going to tell a story? Chestnut's voice sounded smaller than normal. When I looked up, both she and Gumbaby looked disappointed. I sighed. Maybe nothing bad could come of it. And if it did, well, then at least I'd be diverting iron monsters from the thicket. Yeah, I'd be doing the gods a favor. To be honest, I did want to try out the Anansis and powers again, just so I could get into the rhythm of telling stories to groups of people. If I was going to help, I needed to practice. Fine, I'll tell a story, but not the one about how I met Gum Baby. I saw what happened when I talked about that. Oh, then what are you going to share with the class today? Ayana pitched the raft upward slightly and we popped into clear sky. The cloud bank drifted beneath and we floated on a sea of white. I stuck my tongue out at Ayana before turning to Chestnut and Baby, racking my brain. What story would be safe to tell? Another pocket of mist and clouds drifted up past the raft and over our heads. Chestnut giggled as a white sphere settled between the tips of her ears, then yelped as Gum Baby popped it. I could feel the rhythm in the raft. More cloud bubbles rose, floated around us, and burst into joy. Laughter and shouts. I heard children calling and playing. 
I grinned. Okay, I said in a loud voice, clapping my hands. I could sense energy in them, like when I made the butterflies tell the story in the thicket glade. It was still a bit strange, but the feeling was lighter this time, less like needles and more like a buzzing. Everyone looked at me, then settled down and waited. Even Ayana seemed curious. One time, Eddie and I made our own super soda. The rhythm was in my fingertips now. It felt like, it, like I could shape the story, work the words like clay, and sculpt a tale for everyone to see. It started as a dare, a prank, really. The story materialized with little effort this time, maybe because I wasn't angry or threatened. Either way, everyone on the raft oohed and awed as the bubbles of mist surrounding us swirled and stretched into a diorama. Two cloud boys, one slightly larger than the other, crept into a large nimbus of a building. We entered, too, and watched the mischievous boys as they laughed and huddled together in a fluffy white cafeteria. I felt a tug of sadness. I'd nearly forgotten this memory. Our heroes thought they were alone in the building. It was a Saturday. Nobody was at the school, and the lights were off. Little did they know. A tall woman with silver stratus dreadlocks and wearing a cirrus cloud dressed marched down the hallway to the cafeteria. The larger boy didn't hear her. He was buried in chemistry, mixing sparkling water and food coloring and fizzy candy in six different sports bottles, and his back was to the door. At the last second, the smaller boy sounded the alarm. Someone was coming. The boys hid. Their delicious project perched precariously on the edge of a tabletop. The bottles started bubbling, gently at first, but then they began to shake faster and faster until the whole table jitterbugged. The woman, with her cumulonimbus frown that grew darker and darker, invested the commotion. While her back was turned, the boys snuck out, their little legs churning and kicking up puffs behind them. I closed my eyes, remembering the breathless laughter, the whispers, the anticipation. I could hear Eddie hissing at me to slow down and wait for him, feel my ribs splitting with laughter as I ran. I didn't have to open my eyes to see what happened next. It unfolded in my mind. The soda bottles launched into the air and sent sweet suds bursting out of every window in the cafeteria, and one bottle zoomed down the hall and out the front door. Kids playing blocks away said they saw it whiz by, and legend has it that people fighting in the burger joint parking lot stopped to watch. By the time all the soda had fizzed out, the two sides couldn't remember what they'd been fighting over. When I opened my eyes, a cloud bottle streamed across the sky. Chestnut, Gum Baby, and even Ayana watched it. It flew toward us, soaring just above the raft before bursting into twinkling vapor and misty streamers but my attention stayed on the diorama, on the two boys and the way the smaller one clapped the larger one on the shoulder. Even if no one else could hear them, the words he spoke still rang clear in my mind. I got your back. A flare of anger spiked through me. Eddie wasn't around anymore. He couldn't have my back. He wasn't there to get me in trouble or get me out of trouble or do anything. The memory was just a reminder of something that could never be again. Hey, what happened? Chestnut's voice broke through my thoughts. I realized that the diorama had frozen. The boys were in mid-stride. I struggled to recapture the rhythm to get the feeling of creation in my fingers, but the anger had disrupted everything. Nothing, I said. Is that it? Did they get away? Gumbaby hopped up and down in frustration. You can't leave Gumbaby hanging like this. Stupid cloud people. Never can tell with them. Ayana studied me. 
You okay? I didn't answer. The drumming had stopped and my old anger and resentment had returned. But this time the tingling remained in my fingertips, like that sticky feeling you can never get rid of after touching honey or syrup. Just to see what would happen, I conjured an image of Eddie in my mind. I squeezed my eyes shut, reached out toward the mist, and tried to bring the little cloud boy back. Nothing. I let my hands drop in disappointment. Concentrate on what you're speaking about and learn control. Miss Sarah's words echoed in my ear, and I frowned. Concentrate and control. I hesitated, then reached out again. This time, I kept my eyes open, and I whispered to myself, once I had a brother and friend. My fingers buzzed, and then the small boy made of mist and mischief climbed out of the clouds. I smiled. Heads up, everyone, Ayanna called. The solemn expression on her face wiped the smile off mine. We're here. Gumbaby rushed to the edge of the raft. Chestnut and I stayed put. My stomach flopped as we tilted. Ayanna, steering from the rear, nodded toward the front. Go look she said. I shook my head. I'm good right here. Ah, don't be like that. Trust me, this is the best view you'll ever see. She studied my expression, then raised an eyebrow. Wow, you weren't kidding about your fears of heights, huh? I hesitated, then gave her a few short, jerky nods and waited for her to laugh at me. But she didn't say anything else. She just turned back to her glowing staff, made minute adjustments, and started stared at the mist like a psychic reading tea leaves. As we descended, Gumbaby rejoined Chestnut, and they whispered excitedly to each other. Last chance, flyboy, Ayana called. She didn't turn around. If you miss this, you'll never forgive yourself. If I fall, I won't forgive myself, I muttered. But as I spoke, the mist took on a golden sparkle, as if the bottom of the clouds had been dipped in glitter. Pinpricks of light speared up from the ground like miniature searchlights guiding us for a landing. The raft swam in a golden pond for several seconds. Chestnuts started hopping back and forth so fast that Gumbaby had to tell her to settle down. Calm down, bunny. This ain't hopscotch. The anticipation was canta contagious, and my curiosity eventually outweighed my allergy to plunging to my death. Barely. I scooted to the rear edge of the seat of my pants, ignoring Ayana's mocking look as I eased up next to her. About time, she said. You better be worth it, I grumbled. She snorted. Oh, it will be. And when we land, you're going to apologize for doubting me. Yeah, we'll see. But as I spoke, the final remains of the glitter-dusted clouds faded, and my jaw dropped so far I thought I'd have to duct tape it back to my face. Holy, we're here, Gumbaby and Chestnut shouted. Ayana smirked. Welcome to the Golden Crescent, she said.